Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design, the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to Serving Aces. I'm Alexander Stevenson, and I'm here tonight with Oog Levedier, a.k.a. Oogie. Welcome, Oogie. Hey, welcome, Alex. Well, I'm very excited, Oogie. Tonight we have a very special guest, Elliot Telcher. Elliot reached sixth in the world. He was turned pro in 1977. He's a Grand Slam champion. He won the French Open mixed doubles in 1983. He has 10 ATP career titles. He's a three-time quarterfinalist at the U.S. Open, a one-time quarterfinalist at the Australian Open. He was head of player development for the USTA. I'm going to keep going, Elliot. He's been <laughs> inducted in the Jewish Hall of Fame, the International Jewish Hall of Fame, the Southern California Hall of Fame. He coached me. He coached Pete Sampras. He coached Justin Gimmelstab. He coached Jim Grab, Jeff Tarango, Philip King, and Shahar Peer, and many more high-level juniors. Elliot, welcome to our podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. Well, we're very excited to have you, and we're going to do a little coach's corner tonight because it's day one of the Australian Open. As we all know as tennis players, now the rest of America is watching football right now, but we are checking in Australia where we can find it. And Oogie, let's get right into it. Hey, there's a couple matches that are done, but you know, the day starting over there. So because of the hour difference, you know, uh, yeah, right off the bat, you know, Leila Fernandez won her first round. So that's always great. She go had a Canada. tough scare. Yeah, go Canada, but tough scare in the first set, though. She had to go to a tiebreaker. It was real tight. It was five all. She won two points. So boom, six and two. So that's yep. that, you know, she played a good Czech player there. Lefty as well. So it's always tricky for a left-hander to play another one because they don't play against each other that much. Yeah. Elliot, what do you think of Leila Fernandez's game? You know, I, I saw her play a little bit more last last year at the U.S. Open. Um, I went there actually with my daughter, and, and I really liked her game. I, I was kind of impressed. I'm a little surprised she's dropped off as, as much as she has. She's got a great attitude. She seems very competitive, keeps herself together very well. I think she can work on her serve a little bit and serve a little bit better. Um, 
But I, I liked her, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point she kind of gets back up close to that top ten again. Ooh, exactly okay, I like that yeah. predict- prediction. Oogie, I know you like Layla, and she's been through some hard times. She got rid of a coach, and then she went back to her dad, mm-hmm. and then he's been training her like a soccer player. Yeah, and she changed now- shoes. Remember, she has those shoes that are yeah. more of a platform. Yeah, you know? so, so I think she's finding her way now. Interesting. I saw her at the U.S. Open as well, um, Oogie and Elliot. She was doing soccer drills on the tennis court. Mm-hmm. With her dad. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they, have, they, they have this Latino background. So, of course, soccer is so big and yeah. it gets her feet light. And, you know, I mean, Nadal has the skills of an unbelievable soccer player whenever he plays with a soccer ball, you know, puts it up and kicks it to his to his coach. It's amazing. Back to Layla a little bit. But I totally agree with Elliot. It, to reach like top 10 or even top 20 and stay there, the serve has to be fixed. I mean, this is. Yes. There's two things. Her serve has to be like the toss has to be a little bit more on the side because she tosses the ball like straight forward. I mean, that doesn't happen. You see everybody else is just tossing the ball on the side a little bit, making those shoulders turns right away. So, you know, hopefully she gets, she can fix that. You know, that would be really unbelievable. And her arm, her right arm just doesn't turn. She just drops it way down. So her rotation is stopped. She can't go through the ball that much. So those two things have to be fixed. Uh, come on, Jorge. Father can just fix that, I'm sure. Come on. He's so great. So let's fix that and keep on going. And she gets to the top 10 for sure this, this year if she does that. Let me tell well, you right I now. mean, look, the women's game's wide open. Elliot and I were discussing this. We were talking about Coco Goff, who's coming up tomorrow night in her matches. But Elliot, tell me what you were saying about Coco and what you saw and how you were like, do I get it? Like, yeah, they're comparing I mean, her to Serena? No, I, I truthfully would not. Um, I, I agree with you, Alexander, very much. She might even be a better athlete than Serena, though. Um, she's an incredible, incredible athlete. If you talk about a player that could have transcended and probably played basketball, you know, probably any sports you wanted. And been soccer, played. she would be super quick she's on the soccer field. Um, Track and field. You know, she's, yeah. she's as good as – she's as athletic as any player uh, tennis has seen, not just women's, but women's or men's. Um, but I think she still has some flaws in her game, and that's where I will not put her with Serena. Serena was so solid in every part of her game, and I, I mean, Coco's done great. I think she's decided to play a style of play that's more fitted to her, mm-hmm. her speed, which is to play more defense. But you know, Serena could just really overpower people and hit through people. Yeah, I don't think Goff is going to be able to do that. I still think her forehand is a problem when the few matches that I saw her play at the Open, I didn't understand why mm-hmm. the other girls were mixing things up so much. I mean, to me, if I was coaching against her, uh, if I was coaching you again, Alexander, you'd hit every ball to her forehand. Yeah, and that's one to, thing you know, I was going to say, Elliot. 48 forehand winners. Yeah. But I think it's and- very smart what she's done, and she uses – her athleticism and she keeps the ball on the court and um, it's, it's very tough to hit through her. Yeah. And the one thing you were really great at and Oogie, you as well was to go after the weakness and just pound it into the ground. And I remember Elliot, we started when I was 13 and basically you gave me my one handed down the line backhand, <laughs> right? Because you had the best backhand down the line, one hander in the game when you played and we just drilled it and drilled it. But I remember vividly, like when we started working together, you would just say, go after the weakness and pound it. 
Yeah, I mean, I just feel like they mix it up a little bit too much with her, at least from what I've seen. And um, look, again, I think what she's done is amazing, and I still think she's a threat to win many more Grand Slams, and I think she will. And maybe I'm wrong, and uh, but to me, to put her in the class with Serena, uh, she's got a long way to go. And I, 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 again, Serena took the ball so early and hit the ball so hard. It was really – they don't play anything alike. Mm-hmm. No. Um, well, me, even look, the, look at how Steffi Graf played. Right. Look at Lindsay Davenport. Mm-hmm. Look at Serena. Um, yeah. You go yeah. down the list of the ones that were really great players in the and won multiple Grand Slams. And the whole thing where you look at them is their technique is solid. Right. Mm-hmm. And what you don't see with Coco Goff is the solid technique on the serve or the forehand. And the backhand two-hander, right? Volleys, even volleys, it's not solid. So it's going to be interesting what Brad Gilbert does in the next couple of years if he even changes it. And, and, you know, it's tough to say whether it's worthwhile because by just changing her from trying to play like I think she tried to play like Davenport or Sharapova and played that way, and when Brad said, you're not going to play that way, you're going to play a defensive style of tennis. And that got her to win the U.S. Open, which was brilliant. I don't know. I may be off on this, but to me, Swiatek right now is still the number one player, I believe. Uh, I don't believe Swiatek would have had much of a chance against a Serena, a Davenport, uh, a Graf, or a Sharapova. I think they would have overpowered her. I don't. The closest thing to that in today's game is Sabalenka, but she makes but she's wild and crazy. Angles, yeah, than the others do. And she doesn't have the angles that the other do. But you know, so uh, you know, and I'm not trying to take anything away from anybody. I mean, uh, but I, well, I that's think- okay. On this podcast, we just state our opinions. We don't <laughs> have to be nice to everybody, right, Ugi? <laughs> hey, we state we st- facts and we say that's what right. we want. And look, we're always nice to everybody, but. You're allowed your opinion, Elliot, especially yeah, on I mean, this to me, podcast. To me, the, the comparison to Serena doesn't make any sense to me at all. They don't play anything alike. Well, uh, you know what? I'm going to say one thing, and then I'm going to bring Oogie in. Okay, now, as being a woman of color, this may make you uncomfortable, but the comparisons to Serena are because she's black. So I'm going to state I, it. Look, it's true. It, it uh, Unfortunately, in our society today, it's still happening. And Coco Goff knows this. Serena knows this. Uh, look, we're just si- seeing Alicia Parks win her first round. She starts winning matches. She's going to be compared to Serena. Now, you put a blonde player like, I don't know, we don't have a young American. Oh, okay. Let's say Anna Samova. Mm-hmm. Okay, she got compared to Maria. So they do it on both sides, right? Russians to Russians, blacks to blacks. It's not fair because Coco Goff, as you said, plays an entirely different game and should not be compared to anybody except herself. If I was going to compare it to somebody, I would say it's more like Sanchez Vicario or, yeah. Gab- or Gabriela Sabatini. Okay, those are good comparisons. Uh, those would be more comparisons. I just don't think she plays anything like Serena, and it probably sounds like she shouldn't. Yeah, so all those pundits out there, stop comparing her to Serena and let her play her game. And look, we're going to see what happens. Maybe she'll bring power. Oogie, what would you do? Would you change the forehand, and would you would you do what Brad Gilbert did? Yeah, and but, is going to keep doing. Yeah, well, just you're, you're so right about about what you said because of a skin color. It's ridiculous. I mean, Sloane Stevens was compared to you know when she won, she was compared Serena. to Serena as well. She's defensive uh, too. 
Yeah, I mean, she hits super high spin, so it's ridiculous, really. I mean, I mean, Jessica Pagula, what is she going to be compared to Serena? Come on, that's there's <laughs> she's going to be compared to like Chris Evert. That was funny, but, Ugi. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's the truth. We're speaking the truth here, that's all there is to it. Serving aces about truth and speaking our minds and having fun. Wait, with that. What'd, so, you, what'd you say about Madison Keys? Pagula, I, so like be her? If you wanted to compare to Serena, it would be a little bit more Madison Keys to me. Yeah. She tries to play that way. Bigger. Yeah. yeah. Bigger. And, um, but the others don't. I no, mean, totally opposite game styles. Like it's just right. that they share the African American gene, right? Yeah. And, and then, Serena, you said, probably plays more like Serena than Coco. Than Coco, yeah. yeah. And then I that, mean, that, that interesting topic, huh, Ugi? That would be a whole podcast. You know what? That question, listen to that. <laughs> If you're a coach and you want to, of course, maximize the potential of your player, right? So when you start playing tennis really young and then suddenly you're like 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, then you definitely want to maximize. So you have to choose a sort of a game style. You can't just say, okay, I'm just going to randomly pick a style. You have to pick styles with your natural attributes. Yeah. If you're quick with your feet, if you have good hands, if you have natural power, so that then you maximize that to your full potential. So. As we observe tonight, all the best women's player, almost of all time, have been great hitters, right? They've won. I mean, they, you know, Martina, Martina Navratilova is a little bit of an example, which is different because she was serving in volley a little bit more. But let's say modern tennis a little bit more. It's it's overpowering people. Sharapova, Davenport, Serena, name it all. It, it just comes down some exceptions, of course. You know, like. Bianca Andreescu, when she won the U.S. Open, she would mix it up more, looping shots, but you know, slicing and dicing. Forehand. She can still hit that big forehand, yeah. and sometimes she would just have to play. And Kvitova's a big hitter; she won Wimbledon. Mm -hmm. You know, you can go on and on. So, so as a coach, you say, okay, we know to be great, you have to hit the ball hard because women's tennis—that's what it is. You hit flat, hard, and you definitely, you know, get get that pace because you want to control the point. Once you get yep. into those conditions, you have to run all over the place. So Coco Gauff. She has to play other other way a little bit, and but that's been proven. Can she do it for over, over like five years, ten years? That's a different story, because yeah, we'll people. See. But you know what's yeah. funny, Ugi? We're talking about power, and this is a dark horse of mine, Elliot. We're we're gonna go into your pick soon. I just got a little sidetracked with what we were just discussing, but I it, that's a good discussion. Um, Miss Naomi Osaka, who does have pop on her ball, and was feared on the tour, is back. And her game style is more like Serena's. Oh, right? big hitter. Huge. She's got big hits, power, and the next five years, she might stop Coco Goff in her tracks. That's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mr. Elliott, now that I mentioned Naomi Osaka, who are your picks on the women's side first to get through the second week and then win the tournament and then give me your dark horse? Well, I was kind of thinking about this, and you, you always want to try to think if I can come up with something a little different. But it, it's hard to not to start off with uh, Swatek. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name right. If I'm not, it's I'm Sviontek. Yeah, yeah Sviontek. Like okay, it's but, hard. Uh, I call her Iga. Um, yeah, you call but, her Iga. Um, I think she's still. The court looks maybe a little slower this year, which I think would then help her a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I know she lost to Goff once, but she's got a very good record against Goff. Um, she looked good to me. I watched her play one match at that, uh, I don't know what's called. The United, United Cup. United Cup, and yeah. She looked pretty good. So uh, she's still my favorite. 
um, you know, Goff hasn't lost in so long that, you know, I, I have to put her in there. And, you know, she's very good now at figuring out ways to win. And so I would put her in there. But my third pick when I was thinking about this is it's not really a dark horse by ranking, but I think one that people aren't picking. And I, Alexander, I told you I loved yours. I didn't think of hers. Naomi Osaka. I probably would have mm-hmm. taken that if I'd have thought of it, but I hadn't. But my third one is Jessica Pagula. Um, okay, that's I, a good I feel one. Like she, she really could. She she's beaten Goff a few times. She's beaten Svantec. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's tremendously brilliant on the court. I think she's kind of reminds me a little bit of Yeah, hopefully the conditions are good. She's a little bit like Hinga. She sees the court so well. Um, you know, she's very calm and very cool. And I don't think that just she's going to play anybody where she's going to go. I can't beat that person. She's not going to be intimidated by playing golf or Spontex. He's beaten them too often. So my dark horse for me was, and I know she's ranked probably five in the world, so it's kind of not exactly a dark horse. She's but four now. She's four now. So, but that would be but one that's that I okay. think she hasn't, Yeah, and she hasn't gotten past the quarterfinals, so that's a good dark horse pick, Elliot. I like that. Mm-hmm. All right, so we went to one. the women. Um, now the men's turn. Well, the men's for me is my, my pick is Sinner. I, I think he's due to win. I'd be amazed if he went through the year. <laughs> that was Oogie's pick. Yeah. I, awesome I, pick. Love it. I The only thing that worries me is neither him or Alcaraz played any tournaments coming into this. Yeah. I know he played some exhibitions and stuff, but that's a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, that concerns me a little bit. But I really think that Sinner right now when he's at the top of his game might be the best player. Uh, I do take him over Alcaraz, and really? he, he can actually hit through Djokovic a little bit. So he really okay. is, my, uh, for me, a solid number one pick. I, I, you can't go against Djokovic. It's just too hard. He just is amazing. Uh, yeah. Every time I think he's coming to the end, he doesn't. Yeah. Um, my third pick is a little weird, and again, is based on what's happened at the United Cup. I'm going to go with Alex Dimonor. Um, Ooh, he's home. Good one. In and in, in, he beat Djokovic there. He beat Taylor Fritz. Yep. And in an exhibition before the Australian Open, he beat Alcaraz. And if he's feeling like in his mind that I can win this, he's certainly going to have the crowd behind him. Um, and so I actually go with Demonor as my third pick. And if I had to pick a dark horse, it's I'm taking kind of a group, but an American. I just think it's about time between Taylor Fritz and okay. TFO. And, and Who are you going to pick out of those guys? Tommy Paul, TFO? No, right now to me, in the long run, I actually like Ben Shelton. Ben Shelton. Um, ben Shelton. Okay. Because, again, we're going back into what you two both said, the power. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hits the ball so hard. And also for me, is I know his father very well, and I coached with his father. And if you said name three of the best coaches in the world, He'd be one of them. Wow. Uh, Brian Shelton is his father. Brian Shelton is an amazing coach. And, you know, when you're the your father, you don't really get the credit for it. But I'm telling you, this guy is one of the best coaches I've ever been around. I've been fortunate to be around a lot of great coaches. And uh, I, I really- Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Is your wallet a little lighter than usual after the holiday season? Consider it money well spent. 
because you deserve to live your best life, and the Chime Checking Account wants to help you live yours to the fullest. A little extra money goes a long way, which is why the Chime Checking Account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and access to over 60,000 easy-to-find and fee-free ATMs. You even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, all while managing your money on the go, including sending and receiving money fee-free with friends that aren't even on Chime. Sign up for Chime today for you and your wallet. Get started at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. We're looking forward to seeing what Ben does in the next few years. Yeah, he's going to be exciting to watch, and Brian's just the best guy. He's so nice. Yeah, he, he came up to the, me at the U.S. Open and said he loved listening to me. So I was very excited. He's great. <laughs> yeah. He's okay, good. All right. I like your picks and I like Alex Demonor because it's his home grand slam. That's a good one. And Oogie and I didn't have that one. Mm-hmm. And I liked uh, Oogie, you and Elliot tied for Sinner. You yep. both picked Sinner. Gotta love and that. Again. Yeah. You can't go wrong with Djokovic. Now, yeah. uh, Elliot called my picks gutsy. Because I want I Alcaraz, yeah, Medvedev, Zverev. I really like Zverev. Is the one I probably like yeah. the dark, most. Dark horse Zverev. And yeah. you, I mean, you look. You didn't take the two favorites. I got. I don't know what Vegas odds are, but I got to believe it's got to be Djokovic. Well, it's Djokovic and Sinner. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, but but I, that's I, what, I went a little against the grain. Yeah, yeah it's it'll good. be good. So when we get into that second week, if they all get there, that'll be fun to discuss. Yeah. All right. So Elliot. You played the Australian Open. You got to the quarterfinals. But when you played, it was on grass at a place called Kuyong. So will you take us back to Kuyong, which is a suburb outside of Melbourne? And it was a lovely venue. And this was where Margaret Court won all her Grand Slam titles. Take us back to those times in the 80s when the Australian Open was just a tournament and not this huge fanfare grand slam event that it ha- that it has become. Yeah, at the time the Australian Open was over Christmas. And so it really was an almost a non-event. It wasn't uh, none of the top top players very seldom played it at my level at that time Borg, Lendl, Connors, Clerk, Velos very seldom played it. It was over Christmas. The year was kind of over. 
Uh, the greatest thing that happened to Australian Open was moving it to January, making it first instead of fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think I don't think Borg would have caught Djokovic, but he would have been a lot. He would have been up there in the Grand Slam titles because he would have won another five, six, seven at the Australian. Wow, interesting. And and he never went. He didn't go one time. So um, I went. I only went twice. Once when I was in college, and once because I needed to win one match to make it into the Masters. Oh, that's so so, funny. So uh, that was the year I got to the quarters. Um, But it was, you know, was it wasn't the same tournament. I've been to the tournament where it is now, and it's. It's like it went from a challenger to uh, it's a phenomenal tournament. Uh, oh, yeah. One of the greatest. I think Craig Tiley's done an amazing job. And I I, uh, I love the venue and I love what's changed and what's happened with it. But at the time, it wasn't, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's apples and oranges. Compared. It wasn't the event of summer that it's become for Australia. It, it absolutely was not. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? When I went there, that was... That was uh, the first time I went there was in 2000. I mean, I played the juniors in 97, but the roof was a huge deal. So they were the first innovative Grand Slam to put a roof up. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, so they put a roof up. They had everything environmental, all their air conditioning, because it gets hot in Australia. Right. As we know, Melbourne can have four different seasons. <laughs> you can yeah, have no, all wind cold and then 120 degrees and just from going there the last couple of years when i was there every year it just got better and then you go to the other grand slams and you, you're like gee the aussies really know what they're doing and they have the best food in the player lounge oogie the mm. mangoes are amazing I do you remember that. the mangoes elliot <laughs> Not when I was there. <laughs> you didn't get mangoes? Oh, uh, you go in. We had a player's lounge when I was playing. That's right. All right, so you go in the player's lounge, and they have a mango lady who actually cuts your mango the proper way. And she folds it and does little chips and cuts it. And then they have a whole sandwich bar, and you can get any kind of thing you want. It's, it's so nice. Their salad bar, their vegetables are amazing. Guys, if you ever need to go to Australia to just go on a food tour, they have some of the best food in the world and the freshest meats and vegetables. Nice. Yeah. I've eaten with you. We eat a little differently. She eats the vegetables and the salads, and <laughs> I'm looking for something that's been... Uh, I know. Boogie yeah, knows. Little, right. sugar in it. Bo- Boogie and Elliot can go out to a yeah. restaurant and like yeah. have beer yeah. and wine and cheese. And- awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you can I, meet, you can have the veggies. <laughs> yeah, bring me yeah. a Brazilian barbecue somewhere. Yeah, exactly. It's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. So interesting. I got a couple notes now that we've gone after Australia because we have Nick Curios who is debuting on ESPN tonight in the Taylor Fritz match. So he's going to be on with Chris Fowler and Brad Gilbert courtside. Elliot, if you are up which you won't be. You'll have to tape it. Oogie, you probably will be asleep. I think we're all going to be asleep. I'm going to watch it for sure. I'll be there, be whatever up. time it is. I want to hear right. Nick Kyrgios, what's, what's he going to say on, during a match? Well, Seriously, that's going to be entertaining. Be interesting oh. Because, Elliot, we discussed this, and we're going to do this topic right now. Okay, Nick Kyrgios came out. I mean, he says so many things. Oogie and I were talking about him last week, about the balls and how the different changes on the tour can hurt your arm. And they need to have one ball for every tournament, which is easy to say. And the ATB actually came out and said, yes, we need to do that. Mm-hmm. So Nick was right about that. But this statement, 
he said that Pete Sampras and Rafter would not be able to bring their serve and volley to this era's crop of players in 2023-24. All right, Elliot. You yeah, played in the likes I, of Becker, Edberg. Yeah, I couldn't disagree with him more. It's a lack of – since nobody serves and volleys in today's game, it's a lack of understanding of what's involved in serving and volleying. Uh he's basing it all off the serve and the power of the serve. But to give example with Edberg, when I first saw Edberg play, he actually had a bigger mm -hmm. serve at 18 or 19 than he did when he started winning slams. He actually took something off of it mm -hmm. so that he could serve and volley more. Yeah. The difference that Nick hasn't seen, he's never seen a serve and volley or like an Edberg or a Rafter or a Sampras or a McEnroe that gets into the net as quickly as they do. They know how to serve and where to serve. To get in so close to the net, they know where to volley and where to cover. Uh, I, I think he's understandable that he's never played anybody like that, but he's mistaken because he's basing it all off the power of the serve and it's serve and volley. And look, even Federer, one of the greatest players of all time, wasn't a great serve and volley. He had a great serve mm -hmm. and he had a great volley, but he wasn't a great serve and volleyer. Yep. And then, you know, McEnroe didn't serve nearly as big as a lot of guys, but I mean, the guy got two inches from the net by the time you hit the return. So, I mean, to me, it, honestly, and nothing against Nick, but if Nick were to play Rafter uh, at Rafter's best to play in the Australian Open, Nick doesn't have a chance. He would never break him. Well, I like that statement. And, uh, well, you know, what's so interesting is the spots are so important, but the the thing that you don't see when you're just watching and you're not playing is what you just said, the quickness to the net. And you don't realize how close they are to the net and reading your shot. They hit the shot and then you have to react. So you're not seeing how the sneak attack of getting in. And it really is an art form that's been lost and hopefully will come back maybe one day. But what Nick said about that is he just doesn't understand. He was like, oh, I've watched Becker play. It was so slow back then. Well, the well, technology is different, first yeah, of all. And, and actually, it's it's the serve of, you know, there was a reason why John Isner couldn't really serve in volley or Kyrgios doesn't serve in volley. They serve big enough, but there's more to it than that. It's not based off the serve. They don't get to the net as quickly. They don't volley as well. They don't know where to volley, where to cover. But like I said, the one stat that proves them pretty much wrong is Rafter's record against Federer was 3-0. and Federer never beat him. That's a good one. Guy, did you know that? The no, only, I didn't know that. That's the only awesome. Guy, the only guy that, that has a winning record over Federer that Federer's never beaten is a guy that served and volleyed on every ball. And, <laughs> and you know what's so interesting is Rafter's first three steps to the net from his serve and volley, probably yeah. were faster than, who would you think the fastest guy is right now on tour? You know, I mean, Alcarez. Alcarez. Menor, yeah, those right? guys, yes. Yeah. Okay, so when you watch Alcarez serve and volley, no comparison to what Pat Rafter did. No comparison to Edberg. You go watch those tapes, there, it's like, what a five meter yard dash it's yeah, like they're, they're, so they're gliding they're gliding it's after two two steps they're there yeah, yeah it's, it's extraordinary it's, yeah i mean like i said to me when i read Kyrgios's comments it seemed all based off the serve and 
again, it's serve and volley. And like I said, mm -hmm. even in Federer's case, where I think he did both extremely well, he didn't serve and volley nearly as well to me as a Sampras, uh, Agus, uh, not Agassi, uh, Edberg, um, Rafter. Uh, I played against Becker. Matt, you know, Becker. It's a different John McEnroe. How, John how did you feel when you played John? You know, John didn't serve big, but he served. He had a lot of movement to his serve. Mm -hmm. And again, he got in so close. So when you had somebody like Borg that tried to stay way back, if you try to do what Medvedev does and the guys are doing to a guy that really knows how to serve and volley, mm -hmm. it, was, it wouldn't have worked. What Sinner and Medvedev are doing, they would have had a ter terrible time with the Sampras. Uh, they'd be one inch from the net. That works because guys aren't serving and volleying. Or when Alcaraz does it, he just doesn't do it great. It still works a fair bit. So mm -hmm. I, to, I, I, I understood his comment because he's never played it. I don't. I doubt he's ever played a really legitimate serve and volleyer. So I don't think he really knows. But I couldn't disagree with him more. I think he's way off base. Yeah. All right. Well, we got to get Nick against the Sir and Volier. We got to go find one. Okay. I've got a funny story for you guys before we move on. I, so I, I told Elliot this, I told Oogie this too, but I hit with John Rackerow in like, like October mm -hmm. after the U S open, he asked me to hit and I was all excited, but then I hadn't really hit for real in like three weeks. Cause I was at the open yeah. and he had just gone to labor cup and he had been hitting with the guys a little bit. But I don't think he's been hitting either. But he hits more than me against guys. I'm hitting against kids right now. Okay, so we're hitting and I'm hitting clean. And, you know, when all of us hit down the middle and cross courts, it's great, right? Okay, but the trick was, he's like, when was the last time you played points? And I said, like, real points? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, uh, like five months ago. And he goes, okay, let's play to 21. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Oh, I cannot get killed by John McEnroe because he's older than me. I don't care how many Grand Slams he won, but I'm not going to get killed by him. So I told Elliot this. I fought and I used, you know what I used, Elliot and Oogie? I used my serve, okay? Because my serve has not gone away. That's so right. I used my spots to stay in. But what you said with his serve and that lefty spin and him sneak attacking, mm -hmm. it was like I was under pressure every single point. And imagine him at his peak playing what he did. You played him at his peak. I'm playing him as he's your age, Elliot. And I'm like feeling the pressure. But his still, his pinpoint accuracy with his volleys, some of the shots he hit, I was just watching them. I'm like, oh, I got to go run after him because it was just so fun to watch. Mm -hmm. So Nick Curious needs to go play a certain volleyer that actually can serve volley and then rethink his statements. For sure, Abby. Because he based probably a statement right only about the speed serve, you know? And, yeah. you know, I just Googled when you were talking and Semper's high speed serve, his speed's often crossing 130 miles an hour. So yeah. can average 125, 130 through a match. Nick's fastest serve, uh, you know, 2000 at Wimbledon, 143. So it's not that big. Oh, and, not that much bigger. And he's, he's, he's booming it, and he stays back, and he just runs around to his forehand. And Sampras would follow his serve. It was close to the line. He had mm -hmm. probably the best second serve I've ever seen because his second serve was almost as big as the first one. So he yep. would pull people off, you know. And so, I mean, yeah, Nick is – I'm sorry, but he's a little bit out there. That's also you got to get the percentages of uh, – Yeah. Each I mean, 
serve, you know, super high percentage. So, no, I mean, but I can agree that the pace of the rally, that is very different. You know, Sampras' back-end rally today, I mean, somebody would just run around and just crush that ball for sure. That's for sure to me. But to hold serve, I mean, the serve, you you can't say anything about his serve. He's he's got probably top five serve of all time. Come on, to hold serve that easily all the time. And he can serve in volley, can stay back. One of the best running forehand ever as well. He would be actual. He would be actual in the, in today's game with the running forehand. Sampras would be okay with that. Just the back. Yeah, end, but you know what? You change end. the strings. Like you get different, uh, not slightly different rackets than what Pete played with. I mean, I still play with the '97 Wilson, but mm-hmm. you change the strings, you get more pop. Because yeah. with all the synthetic strings, you string looser. All yeah. these guys that were greats, they would still be great today, and they but they would be beating the guys that we think are so good right now what you said sinner and they would eat them for lunch that's my thought well i think sampras would kill demi Noir, for example there's no way i mean yeah. same technology of training and stuff like that come on i mean demi Noir would just run all over her place but you know sampras would be like okay i'll just take two more shots to finish you off yeah but I, it, then you know then my you have players coach, like yeah my old coach elliot knows pete fisher he always goes i right now he only likes to watch alcarez because right? everybody else bores him. Interesting. <laughs> and I mean, he won't watch any women well, because the know. technique. He won't watch any women because he doesn't like their technique. Well, there's but, there's some great women tennis out there, that's for sure. Yeah, but, no, there's yeah, some good that. women's tennis. I, I get the Alcaraz part because he, he is really a lot of fun to watch, and he does serve and volley and come in and tries different things. And I get that part of it. But I, I've actually enjoyed watching women's tennis as much now as – because in a way, you are getting some different contrasting styles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, and yeah. that's why yeah. I wanted to ask you yeah. again, because Pete won't watch it. But you were telling me the other day, you, it's a different winner every other week, right? And every yeah. Grand Slam. Yeah, you don't have the Serena Williams domination. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the one that I was really disappointed that retired was Ash Barty. I loved watching Ash Barty. It's I true. mean, as much as any guy, because... She really did have so much, you know, she would serve and volley, and then she'd slice a backhand, she'd hit a drop shot, she'd chip and charge. Yep. I really liked her. I was very disappointed, and I, I think, you know, she brought Well, she had a baby, Elliot, so she might be coming back. <laughs> she was right. at the Brisbane the tournament. New thing, it's, it's a new thing. You have a baby, pop it out, bring it on tour. She was at <laughs> Brisbane. Yeah. She was at Brisbane with the baby. Um, she went and talked to the transportation people, and then she mm-hmm. talked to the ball kids, and it was her right. favorite tournament because she's from there. And, hey, she was making rounds, so you never know. 2025, I, Elliot. I, I, really, I really, really enjoyed Ash Party. She was one of my men or women. fun to watch. To watch. She um, had everything, you know, the attitude yeah. and just the complete game. Yeah. She could just slice and just come in or just push or just hit suddenly. So she would confuse a lot of players out there. And she just won because she was very wise on the court. So I, uh, yeah. no props to her. All um, right, Ugi. So I've got a question for you. What do you think about Tiafo coming up against Chorich? You know, um, the fact that... It's a tough one. The fact that Elliot said that back then the the australian open was the last tournament of the year then you could sort of have still a momentum if you would have played that tournament but mm-hmm. in today's tennis you start the year with that and you've been off for like a month and so 
it's tough to have some momentum. So whoever was winning, like Coco Goff, you know, she's on a streak. There's no streak going on in Australia because it's a brand new thing. It's been a one month since you've been in that the the tournament bath. So it's kind of it's going to be tough because Tiafo had some momentum a little bit later on the year. Um, I can see that he's going to do well. I mean, let's see about that new coach, though. You know, the situation we need we discussed that in the last podcast. Let's see how the chemistry and how it fits. I can't wait for the comments from the coach, coach's corner, whenever they're going to play a match. That chemistry we need to see. So yeah, that's I still like a that. question mark. Elliot, what do you think about Pere Reba being Tiafo's coach? You know, I, I don't know him. I thought that. He was very successful with with Wayne. They seemed to do great together. You know, as Oogie would know, and you know, coach. You know, I always look at it, Emma. I'm not going to try to pronounce her last name. Qualifies and wins the U.S. Open. And Emma Raducanu. So I mean, there is no coaches. There's no security. If you want security, this is the last place it's to. It's the walk. wrong job uh, to be in, so right? I, Definitely. I don't, know, I don't know the guy that he's with. I mean, TFO is kind of a free wheeler. You know, to me, is if he gets coached too much, he's not going to play well. He cannot play in a structured game. Well said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think he's got to just kind of go with, and you kind of live with it. He's going to hit some kind of shots where you're going to shake your head. But for him, he can't. He can't play structured. So, but I do think he's a tremendous talent, mm -hmm. and um, you know, he's been close. Um, you know, I think a lot's going to depend on the draws. I, I don't know whatever happened to Corich because I. Years ago, I thought he was going to be right up there with Zerat. He won Cincinnati a couple years ago. Yeah, I, I kind of can't figure out where, where did he go? <laughs> he got hurt. He, he got good. hurt. He got a really bad injury. He was out yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah, yeah. He had to... And then he came back, and then I think he's it's been up and down, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was at the hospital. We saw his post all the time. Oh, and then, really? yeah, yeah, he was months away from the courts, and it was sad. And he didn't know really if he was going to be able to come back to play tennis. So yeah. it's a good thing that he's back. But I think it has to do a lot with he doesn't have a big game. He doesn't have any weapon. You know, he's kind of very good, very solid all over the place. Doesn't have a huge serve. His ground strokes are solid, but it, it, he doesn't have that big weapon. Let's say a Ben Shelton serve, you know, or, you know, round inches, forehand. big forehand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he's not. So it's tough to see him like really go through. I think TFO is going to win that match, but you never know because it's a first round. It's a new season. And if Chorich is really solid, then maybe yeah. TFO is not ready for that. You know, all right, interesting well, to see. Uh, now we, we got this coach's corner on our podcast going. I've got one more question. Oogie, I know you wanted to talk to Elliot about Emma Raducanu since Elliot brought her up. Emma Raducanu, once we got her back, we've got Svitolina back, we've got Kerber back. A lot of yeah. women are back this year. Yeah. Ask Barty maybe next year. But Oogie, what did you want to talk to Ellie about Raducanu and what you saw with her game and then what happened? Exactly. I mean... We were talking about it before we started, uh, you know, before you press the record, you push the record button there. And then I was wondering, what is Elliot think about this? Because, I mean, you win the U.S. Open, you know, Emma won the U.S. Open, had a great run. You know, she beat everybody in two sets almost for the finals. And then suddenly, right, you know, soon after that tournament, she wins. Huge win. U.S. Open champion, you know, got all the attention, some new deals. She flushes her coach. She says, thank you very much. I'm not going to keep going with you. You've you've helped me so much. I won the U.S. Open a little bit because of you, of course. It's such a chemistry. So can you explain that to me? Why would you I say bye to your coach that has brought you there to yeah. the pinnacle of your uh, career? Terrible, terrible, terrible mistake. Coaching, it's a bad matters, call. coaching counts. 
And uh, I wait, say I, that, say that again. Coaching, coaching matters. matters and coaching counts. And, you know, you qualify, you win that tournament. It just I was one of the most incredible things I've ever heard. And it's been a disaster ever since. And um, I don't I really don't get that for the life of me because it is that connection that you make with the player. Obviously, they had one. He was able to get through to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, who knows what goes on behind closed doors and if it was money involved or other things. But I think it was a terrible mistake. And I'm not sure that I, I, I think she can if she can stay healthy, which is a major if uh, she'll be good. I don't believe she'll win another Grand Slam again. I really don't. I, I think she made one of the worst decisions uh, in tennis history right there. Oh, yeah. I like that I, statement. I, I, really, I really do. I, That's I think a definitive it, statement, Elliot. I don't see her. Look, I, I'd be happy. You know, I don't know her. Seems like a great person and a great girl. She's good for the sport. She smiles. Mm-hmm. She's pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really... Uh, I don't. I don't see it. I. Uh, I. I. Like I said, I, could she win some tournaments? Yes. Could she get you know close? But for her to win a Grand Slam again, uh, and, you know, and I'd be happy to be wrong. But right now, I don't see it. And I think the other thing is when, you know, she's in her early twenties. She's had three surgeries already, and mm-hmm. how many coaches she's been to. You know, at a certain point, it's, it starts getting confusing. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah. uh, I mean. You know, if I was her, I, I don't understand why she doesn't go back to that coach. Like, I made a terrible mistake. I'm sorry. Please help me again. I mean, yeah. you know, at some point, you know, how stubborn can you be? You know, at some point, <laughs> say, I made a mistake. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure out this was a mistake. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, like I, said, I hope she works it out, but I, I really don't see it. I'm more on Alexander's where if there's a player I was going to pick that's coming back, that can win a grand slam. I agree with Alexander. I think it's a Naomi. That's the player. Okay. All right. That's a good one. Well, went back to her old coach. I was just going to say who went back to their old coach and called them up and asked, she called them up and asked, and he had to consider it because he was with um, Zhang and Mm -hmm. she had to state why she wanted him back and what she wanted to accomplish. Yeah. And and Zhang was article. Zhang was remember Zhang was like so upset about that. Yeah, right? and she, she, she said like really well I'm never gonna forgive him. She said that. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's and it, um, Naomi had to like give a whole I think it was a couple day conversation, and they met at the U.S. Open this year, and she said he he said okay I'll take you back. I mean, like I said, for, for me, that's the one. I, I, I don't picture Wozniak or Kerber really yeah, no. doing that much. I mean, they'll have their moments. Wozniak got to the cores of the open, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're both counterpunchers. And, um, the yeah, see. but no, Naomi Osaka, I read the whole story, guys. You got to read it. It's in The Athletic on The New York Times. And so Wim Facet is her coach, oh. and mm-hmm. he was her coach when she won the two Grand Slams. So he, she called him up and she said, could I have you back? And I think this was in the summer. And he said, no. (laughs) And he said, he said, let me think about it. And then he said, things have to be different. What do you want? And obviously what she wanted, he agreed with. And so he hired this German trainer 
and he hired a ballet dancer mm-hmm. and he brought them all to Southern California in the valley. They rented a house in the valley with a tennis court. Oh. And that was where she's been training for the past six months. Fun stuff, That's huh? Incredible. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. So she'd get up with her daughter, she'd play with her, and then by 9 a.m. she'd go to the court and put in the work. And she had a hitting partner from Pepperdine and I think UCLA, two guy hitting partners and that Wimfisa organized. And once he broke with the Chinese girl, Zhang, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. it's Zhang. I think he right. he went all in, put her whole team together, and the interesting thing I like this because I did ballet from I was like five days. You, you remember? Like I loved ballet. Yeah. So they brought in a ballet, a prima ballerina, that had coached hockey players and football players mm-hmm. and baseball, and she had taught them ballet and how to use their core and how to because sp- in ballet you. Sp- spring, right? You load, you go yeah. into a lunge and you spring and explode up. So that's what they've been working with Naomi. So the interesting thing, I think we're really going to see a difference is by this summer, 2024, it's gonna take a while. you're going to see, it's going to take a while. Right. And they had to redo her cord because she had a baby and the German trainer has brought a bunch of athletes, Olympic athletes back from postpartum. So, guys, Naomi Osaka may be the quiet assassin happening this year on the tour. She's ready, huh? Look at that. And Alex yeah. was there some some mornings with her binoculars watching what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I was in the valley checking it out. No, I just did some deep, deep diving research in the New York Times. Right. You did a great job. That's a lot of good information, and you yeah. know exactly what she's it's been doing. Good, huh? Almost it's like good. what she – yeah, it's great stuff, Alex. All right, guys. Well, this has been a lot of fun because not a lot of first rounds have been entertaining. So this was way more entertaining. We got into mm-hmm. a lot of fun topics. Yeah. Uh, Elliot, Ugi, and I always end with a quote of our podcast. So I'm going to give you the quote and you have to guess who said it. Okay. okay. Are you ready? Okay. I didn't have much of a game, but I tried real hard. A lot of the guys played better. I tried harder. It sounds like something I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is. You said it. It's Elliot Telcher. And that's why you got the sixth in the world, because you may not have been the most athletic. No offense. Uh, No, I wasn't. (laughs) You were brilliant on the court, and you tried 100% effort of intensity every time you stepped out on the court. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Ugi, thanks for joining me. Elliot, thanks for being our special guest it's in our great. coach's corner. <laughs> this has been Serving Aces. I'm Alexander Stevenson, and we will see you next time. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Awesome. Take care. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit.